Cheers. There's Cheers. two Sams. Salud, 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 salud. Who's the second Sam? I'll make the Sam Tribuco. Oh, both Sams. I got Sam Alabama. Thanks for these cute little Tobacco. glasses, Stephen. Those are, those are not those are Welcome, not ladies and gentlemen, DJs and DJnettes, to another episode of the Alfalfa Podcast. We are four radically moderate entrepreneurs and investors swimming in the messy gray ocean, serving up alpha and money, politics, and life. We are Nick Urbani. <clears throat> Steven Cesaro, Eric Johansson, and I'm Armand Asadi. All links at alfalfapod.com. Always make sure you hit subscribe. If you don't, we know love you a long time. Mm. But if you subscribe, <laughs> we got some goodies for you in the uh, Discord. We just finished an epic, epic, amazing little Discord live stages thing. What that do you was call fun. that? That was fun. We met some, uh, met some of our, our mm. members. That was very cool. My heart is so full. <laughs> Yeah, so for those of you that weren't there, which is most of you, actually, uh, inside of our Discord, we have an incredible group of people. So if you're not already there, you need to join our Discord. The link to that is at alfalfapod.com. We've got a bunch of different channels now. We actually expanded from being, uh, uh, what would we, what was the phrase for that? Uh, uh, minimalist maxis, to now having three channels of conversation. And we scheduled basically a pre-recording happy hour live chat we just talked for an hour to everybody. It was absolutely amazing. Got to meet in real time all the people we've been talking to. So hop in. I think we're going to make this a regular thing, whether it's before the episodes or not. It'll be at different times. Definitely join the party. And the after party, of course, is in the Discord. Mm. Um, you guys want to keep doing those, right? That was, that was hell of a fun. Got a lot of smart chaps and hell of a chap fun. Hell of a fun. Hell of a fun. <laughs> What's hell a of hell a of a fun? fun. <laughs> what are you drinking, boys? What are we drinking today? Uh... I am on everything. <laughs> I think there's scotch in this, and then I'm going to this burgundy that Stephen gave me. Uh, what is this? No, uh, it's a tell white me about wine. this. I think it's white a white wine can come from burgundy. Okay. You absolute <laughs> yeah. pleb. Shun me. Shun me. <laughs> yeah, what and is this? I'm drinking the same alongside my Pacifico with uh, citrus and agave, which is just an abomination to all Mexican beer. It was the only thing I had in my fridge. Yeah, that's that kind it's, of like commercialized. The, I, shit. I like it. It's quite the you know like a heaven and hell chaos and order kind of combination. You just finished a Celsius energy drink. You sick fuck. I didn't finish it, but I also have a Celsius here, so I have the I have the drink trifecta. So nice. pre pre warning, we've been a little saucy yeah. from the pre happy hour Discord, but I think we're gonna do great. So today we are diving into. Let me give you the agenda. Obviously, as always, we'll start with the alfalfa round. We'll talk to you about our trades, our moves, our thoughts for the week, what we've done since the last episode. For the investing, um, it's kind of a what the hell is going on, what are we doing, what's on the shopping list roundup. We're really just going to have a conversation because it's been obviously one of the most chaotic weeks so far in this cycle. And um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Policy, we want to talk about uh, inflation. Obviously, big event today. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday, June 15th. And uh, we're going to finish up with something very spicy, philosophical, uh, the uh, AI Google Lambda sentience event that happened over the weekend. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to explore, can AI be sentient and what happened and uh, dive deep into our personal thoughts, feelings, opinions about all of that and get kind of, uh, get kind of heady, get kind of out there into the, uh, go down the rabbit hole. Cool. Let me kick it off, sir. Alpha, alpha round. Okay, a uh, few trades. We'll get into a little more specifics in the uh, investing round, but I closed out some Solana shorts and just refreshing the numbers. Thank God. Good move. Yeah, survived <laughs> that. Made a little scalp. Um, and then I 
bought some uh, STETH. So we'll talk about that a little more. But those are the moves Very last good. week. Easy. <clears throat> okay. Easy peasy. I scooped, I scooped some ETH on this dip, which I probably will move to STETH uh, at some point. Um, my thought there is basically just that like I sold ETH uh, much earlier. I sold it like 30, 32, 3400, which I'm happy about. But like, you know, I want to own more ETH. So I'll just, I'll buy some here and I'll, I'll buy some maybe a little lower. And, you know, I, I kept my shorts open. So fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> you're still in the, you're still in the green though, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, and I feel pretty comfy there as well. So. Okay. Mm, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you're feeling good. Don't, don't you had a good time. I, I, this I, little I do feel you good. Thank you. Had a good time. <laughs> I got, I, Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Tell us about your week, Steven. Um, yeah, Sunday was a wild day for me. I mean, I started the day uh, uber long. I was like, well, I'm going to go long Bitcoin here. Bottom of the range. Everybody's bearish. And then I very quickly realized I was wrong. And then I was like, I'm going to close. And then I was like, wait, why am I just closing? I'm wrong. I'm just going to go short. So I went uber short. Uh, completely flip-flopped in a span of like seven minutes. <laughs> and had my my best trading day of all time. Whoa! Uh, rode that wave all the way down. Closed out around like twenty two five, I think. And then I was like, yeah, "That's enough." And I watched it go to twenty, and I was like, "I'm dumb." But then, yeah, we're kind of back here, so I, I feel pretty good. I'm mostly flat. I I shorted the the Justin Sun Tron coin, which is not working out right now. To be transparent with you, looked all. easy money to start. Um, I, I, honestly, I'm like I'm. I'm only down a little bit on the trade, but it, it's kind of a dangerous short at this point. So I, I wouldn't recommend anybody do it, but I, I just want it to, to die so badly. Apologies to anybody who's, who's in it, but you, you shouldn't be in it. <laughs> you should have, you should have learned your lesson at this point. So I don't, I don't feel too bad for you, but yeah, that, that, that was my week. Okay. I think uh, a lot of people share that sentiment That's good. Uh, in our community. Good. My week was one of actually a lot of uh, journaling and writing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reassessing. Romance poetry. <laughs> I feel like everyone just took that very differently. Uh, so maybe we'll leave it up to you, interpretation. I kind of like that. You're just making me feel like such a troglodyte now. You didn't DCA? I'm sure you did. No, they're definitely... What I, what I meant by that was specifically about everything that has happened. I feel like I needed to revisit uh, a lot of my uh, strategies and plans around investing in crypto. I needed to, part of the process of journaling was a process of actually rewriting out my beliefs, my thesis, my feelings, my opinion on what has happened, and actually working through the emotions of the week. And what was happening, watching my portfolio go down by another, I don't even know, 50%. And um, Wait, you still own coins? <laughs> yeah. Stop. I do. <laughs> Unlike you guys, I did not. I mean, no. I have a lot of exposure to ETH still through yeah. my dumb liquid JPEG purchases. But. Yeah. So the JPEGs I had already cycled out of, uh, for the most part, everything except uh, I actually sold my other deed a few days ago nice. for you sold Three. another deed. Wow. Yeah, I sold one. Damn. And uh, for actually the the same like price that it would have been at at the peak, like on that day. So not too bad. But really, it was about 
revisiting a lot of things. And I think that there's a lot of insights that'll come to light next week for me that I want to share and kind of more in that yeah. session talk about. But it had a lot to do with just understanding how I got where I am. What is it that I'm going to be doing or not doing for the time being? And uh, in terms of like real actionable stuff, uh, have been DCing into both Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, but very small nibbles because I think that next week, I think that this week for me was about watching how everyone was reacting. And I think there was like a good level of panic, but more questions than action on the most part for most people. So what that told me was that I don't think we've seen the maximum level of panic selling that we'll probably see next week. It was funny and we'll get into this, but today was like a little bit of like a bullshit, you know, rally that I think we just want to get over with so that we can go into the full depth of the bleeding that we really want to see so that we understand what this bottom actually looks like and where we're going to kind of start to flatline. So for me, I think most of my moves will be next week. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that leads really well into this, this first segment because I think the the initial idea for this segment was, you know, we've talked about in previous podcasts about having a, a thesis of how you're going to invest and not only that, but writing it down. And we, I think we even mentioned this on some of our investing mistakes uh, episode where we even had a, had a pl written plan, but didn't necessarily, the execution didn't, didn't follow. So, you know, I, I started off this, this topic by saying like, I'm trying to write down my bear market thesis and what my plan is, my shopping list, how I kind of foresee it going. And obviously thesis change, but I think it's important to like kick off how we view this. And I think most people specifically in the discord and most people listening, you know, are kind of pondering this question of like, what's the plan of attack? Right. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, but Mostly, I tr I really don't look at the USD value a lot of of, of the crypto portfolio. Like uh, my goal, and I think your guys' goal is like I want acquire more more coins. I want yes. more uh, Bitcoin. I want more Ethereum. I want more of the of the coins that I feel long term about. And, and Stephen's giving me like funny <laughs> smirks. Um, but in general, yeah, that, that's, that's what it is. Best not to look at Stephen when you're going through your yeah. notes and ideas. This is literally my it's journal. Very, very off putting. <laughs> I'm, I'm going no, through my just, diary. No, I, re I resonated with none of what you're saying. Give, give, give me, give me your eyes. Thank I got you, you. Thank you. I'm oh, reassure God. these. Points. All right, my, di my diary is safe Dude, with you. I had the exact same moment in like two episodes ago where I was really excited about this whole thing, and Stephen was just like, "This is my." My 2017 self really resonated with what you were saying. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm a cycle behind. We're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Please continue, sir. Um, so, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I think we're at the lows, if not very, very close to lows. Like, yeah. I think macro economy lows, we're, we're definitely not there yet. Um, and, you know, there's a question in my mind if... if we front run that in the crypto market, front run the, the economy lows. I think the, the stock market, you know, typically front runs economy lows like six to nine months or so. So, you know, does macro bring bad news and bring lower lows? I, I don't, I don't know if that's a true, um, barring a, a dive into a depression. I, I don't think so. So I think, uh, you know, we're, we're at good lows. You know, we've talked about in the past. I think I mentioned the bankless podcast when we recorded a few weeks ago, I was looking for 200 week moving averages. You know, it feels like a safe place. You may not, you know, tick the bottom, but it feels like a safe place to play. Um, and so, uh, starting to buy here, um, you know, in terms of how things will go going forward, I don't think we're going to rip all time highs for, for a while, like maybe two to three years, years out. Um, you know, we, we could potentially wick down to like a 300 week moving average, which for Bitcoin would be I think 16, 17K, 
Um, for ETH, that would be like around 750K. Um, but it's also highly possible we don't go there. So, um, and I think a lot of the liquidation risk is, is flushed out. I think some of you guys maybe disagree, but I think most of it is, is flushed out. Um, so starting to buy, going to continue to do so over the next six months. Um, I think over the next six months, lots of chop going to happen. Um, buying ETH right now, taking the discount that it's at, about 6 or 7%. Seems we should definitely talk about it. I think yeah. that narrowed. I think it narrowed. Uh, down five percent, yeah. four or five four. now. Four. Yeah, it was down to eleven briefly. Damn! Yeah. Wow! Pretty crazy. That would have yeah. been nice. We should we should go into that. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, um, I'm gonna gonna definitely buy ETH proper to to save you know a validator or two worth to you know as over the next six months. Um, and I think like it's important as we talk about hitting the bottom, it's important to to bring in the fact that like. We're, we're not going to rip higher all of a sudden, you know, anytime soon, just because you pick the bottom doesn't mean we could stay here for like two to three, you know, years. And I think for me, what I need to see happen to, to, to know that we're going to go into a bull market is to see what got us here reverse, which is we had the prospect of higher inflation, higher interest rates, and just in general, like the trust ripped out of the crypto market with, with Luna and Terra Celsius and, and everything else that's, that's come along. And that will take time. Like, well, in general, I think that the stock market and I think the crypto market needs to see, um, you know, inflation start to, to peak, interest rates start to peak. We need to see the Fed kind of turn around and, and loosen again, which might take a few years. Um, and then specifically for the crypto market, trust to be restored. I think we had that violated and, and that's going to take some time. So in, in all those, I think, um, you know, it's going to take a few years before we have the beginnings of a of a bull market again. I was um, hoping you wouldn't say that. I think, it, I, I think in two years, you know, like around this time, you know, in 2024, you could still be hovering around like 40, 50 K Bitcoin. And it doesn't sound fun, but I think it's, it's somewhat realistic. And, you know, I think if we're lucky, a late 2024 beginnings of a bull run, it gives the fed enough to tighten, to bring down inflation and um, also maybe turn around infl- interest rates, depending on how bad the economy turns. Um, only by ETH, I think right now, like that my my Bitcoin allocation is pretty much set. Do you have a shopping list of all kinds of fun stuff like uh, um, some all L ones for some higher beta? Um, definitely, maybe some DeFi tokens that might come back uh, around that time over the next year, um, and whatever is new and fancy at the time. NFTs, looking at punks and fidenzas on my personal, uh, mm. you know, shopping list. But I don't think I'm gonna be touching any of those. Definitely for not six months. It could be it could be a while out before touching those. Just kind of holding down for BTC and ETH for now. So anyway, that's the current thesis. Obviously things can change, but that's how I'm kind of uh, looking forward to it. There's so many ways to take this conversation. Are we just going to round table what our, what our strategy is and like individually go into it or. I, I think we should, we should use this time how we would use this time anyway, which is like, what the fuck are you doing? How are you playing this? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Which is exactly yeah. what everyone else is thinking and feeling. So I'll start like this. Um, when when ETH was at thirty four hundred or whatever, when I when I exited, uh, you know, we were in the same spot talking with Hoffman, and I I was saying like, no, I I just think this is gonna get so ugly. I exit, but then at that same moment, I was also playing through like the the Nickerbani scenario, like okay, so let me write down when I want to get back in, what my strategy is gonna be. I said at seventeen hundred, I was gonna get back in and like get back in heavy. It went through seventeen hundred, and now it's at twelve hundred. I started buying, but I ha- I still haven't like. I haven't bought back in really heavy, but I am thinking back to that time thinking like, well, shit, I said I would. It doesn't look great, right? Like we would all sit around this table and say like macro doesn't look too compelling. Um, so like buying at 1200 ETH doesn't sound like I should shove in right now, but 
you know what? Like long term, I'm I'm almost positive that this is going to be just sure. a good time to buy. So it's a yeah. safe. It feels like a safe place, not the like most optimal, right. but like and, a safe and place. Like, how, to- like we're not going to bottom tick everything we're going to try to buy, and that's no. silly to even try, anyways. Um, and I think if you saw like sub one thousand, you'd really start showing. So to two right? points, uh, one is Nick's point that he said like the markets do front run the economy, right? Like we yeah. saw all markets come down before we hit a recession. Like we're probably going to hit a recession. Uh, but Stephen dropped some some good stuff in the Discord today. He said like all of uh, stock pullbacks have been on multiple compression, and that's true, right? We still have like consensus consensus expectations of earnings being even higher uh, this year and next. And that that won't happen, right? right? Like we're pretty certain that won't happen. So like stocks will fall farther as earnings come in lower than expectations. Um, so maybe there's still more room on the downside, but long-term, like, you know, we will front run the economy in the markets as well on the upside, you know, like, so maybe when we hit a recession, maybe markets still like come back higher. Yeah. Do, 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 do you want me to go now? You can go whenever <laughs> you like, bro. This is, of course. Are you warning of us a tidal yeah, wave right yeah, now? Like, was, I feel like that's like your warning. You're you're about like to war- I don't know. I feel, like, I, I feel sure like I always bring the, uh, the, the bearish I mean, tsunami. Well, you're a little different because like your your portfolio is mostly crypto, right? I think that's like important for people to understand. Like yeah. your your total invest, investable assets are mostly crypto. Yeah, my, my portfolio is crypto, real estate, and cash. Right. It's almost entirely cash right now i mean i have like some inv- like real estate you, you know just like liquidate it you know <laughs> you, you buy it and you kind of ride it out right right now i really want to sell my house but also what are you going to buy at 6.5 percent mortgage yeah, I, I would just rent and weather the storm but you know i i did really want to take my one year 130 percent like profits on my house really badly but i, I got mentally committed to it such a, I, such a degen trader if you start trading, i got a heloc i can sell you yeah. your primary residence yeah. <laughs> I, bought, I bought all this furniture i put so much time into like making it you look. got a piano in here there's a grand I piano. piano i need a place to put I mean, it you literally just moved in i, I yeah. did but like i also just knew it was gonna tank and i still do think yeah. it's probably gonna tank i mean that's just the reality of having like plus six percent like mortgage rates it's 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 kind of nutty um but yeah the rest of my portfolio like i i kind of go back and forth between the cash and crypto trade i I like to do the barbell thing i like to be like all in or all out and i don't really believe in this sort of middle of the road diversification thing which is i i think better if you're like an active trader and if you're not it's not a good strategy you probably want to diversify but if you like 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 stan druckenmiller said on that 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 last interview we listened to, he likes to just put on like a position and just watch that thing and he'd be so all in on it that he has to watch it. At I all felt time. that. I felt that. Cause like I have what he, what he, he didn't keep calling like zombie, zombie investments, like basically where it's like less than 10% of your portfolio, 15% of your portfolio. You don't give it the attention it needs, but if it's 60%, 50%, you're sure going to watch that like a hawk and become an expert. Yeah. And like, look, if, if you follow, if you, for some reason you're one of the three people who follow me on Twitter for the last year, you're probably like, <laughs> Why was it? Why did this guy just go from like tweeting about spooky You're swap to be a uh, being like a macro LARP all of a sudden? Like I, I don't talk about any weird altcoins or anything or anything crypto because to me it's like irrelevant. To me, the only trade that matters is like 
when is macro going to bottom and all the other stuff to me, I, I don't care about. I want to know when to get into crypto. I want to know when to buy back in and kind of ride that wave back up. And I think that's dependent on macro. So all I do now is, is watch macro, you know? So I, I think what the Fed is doing right now is, is dumb. But what they are doing is trying to sort of suck liquidity out of the like the risk element of the market, right? I think they're, I think they're sort of actually like pretending that they're tackling inflation because I, I choose to believe that they're not dumb enough to think that they're actually fighting inflation in an intelligent way. I think what they're trying to do is deflate the stupid asset bubble so that later the government can like reinflate stuff, but inflate intelligent areas of the economy, like shovel money into productive areas. That's sort of my theory, right? So to me, like the most dumb risk on area of everything has been like the, the long tail crypto trade, like outside of Bitcoin and ETH and all the, all the dumb crap we bought. Right. So I like to look at the sort of broader crypto market. Like have you ever looked at like the, uh, the total market cap, like two total market cap three Uh, total market cap two is like all crypto except Bitcoin. And then total market cap three is all crypto except Bitcoin and ETH. So total market cap three to me is like a really interesting like chart to watch because it to me, it represents all of the dumb crap about crypto, basically. Sure, there's some good stuff in there, but it's mostly to me a representation of the risk on trade, right? And when I look at that chart, if I am like the Fed, like it, I, don't, I don't even think, I don't like the Fed's really looking at this chart, but like it, it's the essence of what they're trying to do. And if I look at this chart in a sort of dispassionate way, in a best case scenario, I see like negative 30%. And then in like a bad scenario, I still see like another negative 60%. And so I don't, I don't really want to buy ETH yet. I don't really want to buy Bitcoin yet. I, I would if I was like a longer term person but like i like to be like very in or very out and to me like i i just still think there's too much risk there it, it's hard for me to see us just magically picking a bottom here like we could if jerome just decides that I, i'm good i'm just gonna for some reason stop but like I, I still see a lot of a lot more pain i'm not focused on buying any alts i'm not focused on buying any long tail alts i'm still just like where is the crypto bottom. And I do see still a lot of systemic risk with like the Celsius and the three arrows capital and all these other like kind of like large institutions within crypto that are insolvent, Mm -hmm. right. And maybe liquidating. Were you guys surprised by the three arrows capital? Obviously I was surprised actually super surprised, right? I thought they were just counter trading us the whole time. And it seems like they actually were actually shilling their positions, but their positions were just bad. They and leveraged. They and went leverage. down. They yeah. went down with the ship. They uh, were just long crypto. I mean, what a crazy story! It's two two guys who like started trading, you know, in their in their kitchen or whatever, and like built themselves up to billions. And now it, it's it's possibly true that like there's not much left, which is insane to me. Insane. Like, I mean, maybe we'd all agree that like if we got to a billion dollars, we wouldn't even use leverage. But who knows? When you're in it. You know, maybe you kind of just... So what about the contagion, continue. right? Like yeah. Celsius goes down, three arrows goes down. What, like, does that create a cascading effect that hits, you know, retail on a on a wider basis? I, I mean, so to use like something I'm personally doing, like I'm trying to pull out of Nexo, <laughs> like as we speak. What do you mean trying? Is it not, what do you mean? Because I'm dealing with TradFi 
and it takes days to send money. Nixo offered to buy out Celsius. Did I you see yeah. that? No. They're, yeah, they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll, buy like, yeah, we'll buy you. We'll buy you. Really? I mean, I, I would still not have my I, money I, in there. I, I just, <laughs> I just want to like, get out. There's, there's no. You there's shouldn't want to get out. There's you shouldn't no want to be. There's in, no yield. You should want to be in nothing. There's, there's, there's nothing in there for me anymore. I had, I had, I had taken like uh, some uh, loan out on their system, mm-hmm. and to pay it off, it's taking like four days. Oh, to pay off yeah. is what's taking. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, because I, so I, I'm not at like liquidation risk, but I want to pay it off and get the yeah. fuck out. Yeah. And it's taking so long, and I'm going through all the drama of like the old way of like a wire transfer and all this stuff, and it's just days. So, for me, for example, to answer the question of contagion. I uh, think that for a person who is ready to roll with like, you know, self-custody and isn't like terrified of the prospect of setting up a hardware wallet, they absolutely should. Like this is the time Steven's been saying it. We've all been saying it in the discord. Like you don't really want to stick around to see what could happen. I mean, actually, I was really curious what you said, Steven, to the point where like, develop this was this was an interesting thing that came up in the you know it was like developers may get desperate send your crypto to an absolutely fresh wallet on your hardware wallet complete cold storage like totally new wallet that has never transacted before like i guess i would not have gone to that level of thinking to think like maybe oh wow maybe i mean i don't know like is everything up for target at this point like have you ever seen that happen it just takes that one bad like approval to drain your entire wallet it and does it's but- so much easier to just condense all your funds to like stable coins and eth and then just send them to a new wallet as opposed to like revoking the 700 different like permissions you granted in the last like two years of the bull market right, right, so right, even yeah. something like BlockFi that that is outside of this whole news cycle I, I think BlockFi is no, they're, at risk. I, I, they're, I they're included, I think. In right. Okay, so I guess my point was like, there's people in there who who have these like grandfathered accounts. These grandfathered accounts allow them to to capture like six or seven percent yield on yeah. USDC. And I have friends hit me up saying like, well, I should keep this like USDC yield. And I'm oh, thinking like, fuck that. Your whole principle's at risk. Yeah, Plus, like uh, not worth it. I uh, worth well, I think I was on vacation when you guys had uh, did a podcast on the like Luna Terra collapse, and while it was happening on vacation, I I was like, I need to whip out my laptop, and the first thing I did was pull it out of BlockFi, Nexo, double check yep. did I have anything in these, and I just sent it out, closed the laptop, and, and I was back. But it, yeah, I don't think your one percent, you know, uh, return that you're going to get from it no, is not stupid. worth it at all. So it's I think that's pretty. It. Like when there's no transparency, right? Like there, there was literally a Y Combinator company that did this, right? They took USDC from you and they paid you like 7%. But what they were doing was like taking USDC, selling it for UST, like the Luna stable, collecting 19%, anchor, pocketing 12% and paying you seven. And then when that collapsed, you just lost all your money. And there was no... like. At, I would rather have my money in the USDD, like Tron stable coin, than have it in BlockFi, right? But don't do that. A, I'm going to get like 40%. (laughs) Just to be clear. But like B, like at least I can check the chain, right? Right. Like, oh, there's this much collateralization in the wallet. And the second that goes out, I have some control. I'm not saying to do that. I mean, I honestly might not be a bad trade for like a tiny amount of money. You know, it's probably... Brian, but like I, I think it's like a gambling play still, and I but I think it's a better play than having six percent 
in some black box where you don't know what they're doing with your money. Like the whole point yeah. of crypto right. is that you can check the chain. You can see exactly what is what the yield on doing. USDD right now. Do you know? 40%. That's compelling. Pretty compelling. <laughs> no way. Pretty compelling. Should we, should we wrap this segment with shopping? I mean, a, a little bit. I mean, to I, say I, about I, that? I do want to ask you guys, like, um, you know, I, I mentioned that what I need to see in order for things to change is, um, you know, uh, inflation peak, Fed reverse, and then trust restored, which takes takes time. Because, um, you know, I think initially I was like, man, I'm going to pick the bottom. This would be great. But I think it's also good to set in the realization that, like, we could see chop and just up and down and just not much growth for years. And so what do you guys need to see in order to be like, okay, bull, bull market potentially building and, and we're back on? I mean, I need to see, I, I want to see a lot of things, right? A lot of people are going to be triggered by this, but like, I, I, I want to see like everybody with like an ape picture on Twitter to stop, acting like there's some sort of financial genius. Like I, I want to see like, not cause I want people to hurt, but like, I, I do want to see like pain in the areas of crypto that were like the most bubbly, the most, not because I want people to suffer, but because that's going to be a sign to me that the system has been like purged. Like there's no going back up in my mind until we purge like the biggest excesses of the system. And one of the great things about crypto is that we actually do purge. Pretty efficiently. Even though it's like gross when it happens, but like once it's done, it's done. Like it's, it's done. Like the things that were bad die. They're dead forever. Like, like in the TradFi world, the huge percentage of the stock market is just like zombie companies to just like continue existing because they're just like riding on the coattails of this like stupid monetary policy. And they're not like adding value to the economy. And it's just like this giant fraud and like, you perpetually kick a can down the road until it finally like really explodes. Right. Right. So at least in crypto, we get to just, you know, just burn the forest down and then just start anew and have like the, the new growth. Right. So I, I want to see like a lot of that stuff kind of just really cleanse. I want to see like the Celsius's and the three arrows capitals just, just, just go under. Like, I don't want these systemic risks to exist in the system anymore. I want all of the crappy Ponzi protocols to die. And I but want just all like the makers of the world to just still be standing there. Like to just, me, that, to me, that describes a bottom. It doesn't necessarily describe the, the precursors yeah, for a bull run. You're, you're asking, right? like, how do I know the bull run is yeah, because what, the, the, I the, the reason run. I'm asking is because one, one option is that you could just not play for a while until like right. you see the yeah i love where you're going there just, I mean, it's I, an option. what i'm thinking it's an option. i, I yeah. personally think that crypto front runs the tradfi world because it's sort of free of the sort of encumbrances that like prop up bad assets and prices that we have right so i do think crypto will bottom before tradfi bottoms right and i do think that means that like we're probably not going to get a v recovery because I think there's going to be a delay there, but I do think crypto will reverse very quickly. Like I, I, my default assumption is that we bottom and then we just sort of get boring for a bit and go flat because there's just nothing left to liquidate at a certain point. And it's just only the hodlers and the OGs and the protocols that actually built to survive. And there's just nothing left at some point. But then I do think like, as soon as like the, the fed reverses, it's just sort of, back on again that's yep. like the ugly reality of the world is that there's just a guy with a button or like a light switch and he just flips it on or off and things go up or down what, what do you think eric like uh 
what are your precursors for a bull market run again? Or, or do you even care? Like, is it just, I'm going to stack while I have the chance and I'm just going to hold it. Like, don't really care about I'm when the bull minds. market happens. I, I don't consider myself a trader. So I'm, I'm, I have a bit of the Armand mentality where it's I'm like, I'm surprised by that statement. Well, I'm, you've started to appear like one. No, well, you know, that was just risk management, I think. Uh, yes. but, but I am more just thinking like also this side of the table is like trying to stack the coins. And I, I do want to stack Bitcoin and ETH and, you know, like now is a much better time to stack than it was six months ago. That's obvious. Yeah. I do think that if you, even if you buy now, market buy ETH now, I think that's going to be in the money in 24 months. Like, yeah. I, I think you're going to be fine. 36 months, whatever, like you can just name a time on it and it's going to be in the money at some point fairly soon. So I, I think that's where I, I really believe I land. Um, I think like, you did a good job of identifying it's not just like price targets that's, that's going to like incent you to buy. It's like, what are the fundamentals in, in the economy? And I think like, obviously a Fed pivot, but like, what about just more apathy? What about just more apathy like on, on crypto Twitter where people just like Sentiments. disengage yeah. entirely? Everyone goes when quiet. When the discords go quiet? Yeah, just like except the alpha everyone alpha. just <laughs> thinks it's kind of over and just boring and dead. And then like, maybe that's, that's the time. I mean, that is what happens. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, well, should we transition yes. to our next topic? Yes. Like, I'm I think because we've been talking a lot of macro a lot, and I think you know, and 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 we didn't used to talk a lot of macro a lot between the, the four of us even, but I, I think we've all realized that like it's a macro game, and and for people in the Discord, people listening, you might have heard a lot of macro talk recently, but I think we all recognize we personally want to get a little more knowledgeable. We want to have these discussions more. So anyway, that's that's kind of like a starter for the next next discussion, and what we're trying to um, dial into is is questioning these inflation narratives that we've been seeing. And we've been seeing in the headlines a lot um, on Twitter. And so we just want to question some of them. And I'll, I'll start off with like a, a tweet I made about, I don't know, roughly a week ago. Um, you know, what I got started to get trouble with was, um, you know, around inflation, that the Fed is the only thing we talk about in terms of inflation. It is the only, you know, uh, driver and compressor of inflation. And I just started to think, I was like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. And I also started to think about the, the, the politics coming up. We have midterms coming up. The Democratic Party is going to be tested on inflation. And they know that. So it's a stated goal to get inflation down. And then I just saw this disparity. I was like, well, there seems to be a disparity between what they want as the outcome and what they're doing because there are things they can do. So in this tweet, I mentioned a few things. Number one, get involved in the West Coast uh, port labor negotiations so we don't create more supply side problems for ourselves. I think the, uh, the founder of Flexport has talked about this a lot. Yeah. But up and down the West Coast... The, the people who, who man the ports are part of a union. And we can talk about you know public union monopolies at some point, probably be a fun, fun topic. But they do have this labor negotiation coming up. And President Biden is a labor person. His, his vote has come from labor. His money has come from labor. And I think this is the time where he steps and says, okay, you've been on my side this whole time, but I am now the president of the United States. I have a bigger responsibility. And I'm telling you, do not get stuck in a negotiation. I want you to solve this quickly so that we don't step on our own feet. So anyway, that, that's that's one. Uh, the second is like repeal the import tariffs. And I'm not just talking about a few, you know, 
import tariffs that sound nice like solar panels. That sounds great. Kind of follows along the, the, the left agenda. I'm talking about all of the tariffs, the, not just the, the Chinese import tariffs. I'm talking about even the, the Canadian tariffs. You know, we have tariffs on, I think it's a lumber or timber, but one of those. And it just seems so silly now because tariffs are a tax on the American business, on the American consumer. You know, no one in China, no one in Canada is actually paying this tax that, that, we're, that we're placing on it. So if we want costs to go down, it's a simple one. You know, I import goods from from other countries. I understand this very well, and it will it will pass through pretty quickly. If it doesn't, you know, cause decreases in price, it will certainly stop the increases in price. Um, there are some weird uh, uh, rules that they've placed on government contracts, like buy American rules, which sounds good, sounds great. But really, what we want is like for government contracts for taxpayer money. We want companies to compete wherever they are, and we want the best deal possible for taxpayer money. So I think that's that's one. Uh, the other was uh, end the emergency freeze on student loan payments. I mean, we're literally talking about you know the Fe- the, F- the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates to make debt more expensive. Meanwhile, on on the fiscal side, we're literally talking about making forgiving debt. And, you know, I think forgiving debt is a form of another high velocity stimulus. So I think that that's one. And then we will probably talk about this a little more, uh, you know, when you guys thoughts, but support American oil and gas production. Like there are so many moratoriums and, and permit regulations. And I think another, you know, topic we could talk about in another episode is definitely energy policy and how this all ties in with inflation. But those are kind of my, my gripes that came up in the last week, just seeing like there's something that can be done. And there is the argument that like, okay, but the Federal Reserve has the biggest, you know, kind of a lever to pull and the government doesn't. But I I, I just let me let me chime in and I'll tee up Stephen here because uh, Stephen, I know, is going to want to talk about how the Fed doesn't um, control inflation like we think it does. So I I think I'll ask the simple question, like how what percent of these other levers that like Nick is talking about? you know, like tariffs and labor unions and stuff like how, what percent do those levers actually control inflation if the Fed doesn't? There was a study that, that, that was done on, on tariffs specifically. I think the quote was like one, like a hundred basis points, 1.3% was the impact on inflation. It could lower inflation by 1.3% if you removed all the tariffs. Then you could dive into that study and say, okay, maybe that was like politically motivated, funded by certain people. But in general, like if you think of yourself as an individual actor, as an individual business, what does that do to your business and your economics? It seems to make a whole lot of sense. And I think just conceptually, if you're a political party in power, like why would you want to continue to tax goods right. coming That's kind in? Of like low just, hanging fruit. Yeah. So I, I think it's not nominal. It's not like uh, it's not small, but it's not the cure all. But it's definitely enough to to move the needle and and also show the the American people and your your cabinet that like this is the number one priority is to get inflation. You should be telling all of his cabinet secretaries like do what you can within your responsibilities to get this down. Okay. Let me let me rephrase it then. Okay. I'll, I'll tee up Stephen again. How did we get to uh, 8.6% inflation right now? How do we even how did we even get there if it's if it's not Fed monetary policy driven? It's a good question. I mean, I, I'm gonna like Tarantino this a little bit and start at the end and then go back to the beginning. I, I guess because I, I think Nick brings up a good point, which is uh, ultimately a lot of this stuff is decided by politicians. I think politicians are very short sighted. They they tend to do things that boost their electoral chances in the near term and they kick the can down the road and punt stuff for the long term, right? So if you're a politician, right, and you want to get elected and inflation is a problem, 
And you have two options. One is to make long-term investments and increasing production on the supply side of goods so that price comes down, but it's like a seven-year duration. And the other option is to just destroy demand in the next three months. You probably opt for destroying demand because it's the quick, easy fix that brings the the number on the chart down and gives you a thing to run on. But is that long-term productive? No. So, So like, how did we... How do we get here? I guess like I I've been thinking about this a lot lately because there's a popular narrative in crypto and it's like, it's like hyper simplified and sort of like government prints money, money causes like people to have too much cash on hand. There's too much liquidity chasing too few goods. The price of goods go up. And because we're printing so much money, we need to buy Bitcoin because it's going to save us from all of this. Right. The reality of this is like much more complicated and nuanced. And I, I think like not true at all. Um, I think that a lot of the reason why prices are high doesn't have anything to do with like an, an increase in the, the monetary base, actually. And I think there's like actually a lot of nuance between CPI, the consumer price index yes. and, and inflation. And I, I think we use these things like interchangeably. But we, 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 some of us, I don't know, maybe some of us don't, but money, many of us know the old quote, like in, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And like, I resonate with that. And I, I think that is the crux of what inflation is. It's like an overexpansion of the monetary base, right? Whereas I, I think what we are seeing right now, you might attribute to inflation because prices are going up, but I, I think there's an important nuance there. I, I don't think prices are going up because there's more money chasing, you know, the same or fewer amount of goods. Obviously, you can have fewer goods, more money. There's a balance there. But I I think the overwhelming catalyst in this has been on the supply side. There have been too few goods, right, right, for the most part. Now, now why did this happen? Like, we have to zoom all the way back to to COVID. And, And what we had during COVID was we shut down the economy. Everybody with half a brain was like, oh, the economy shut down. People are going to buy less stuff, right? We have this kind of globalized world where we source stuff from China. Stuff comes into our ports. We buy it, right? So if you're at a port, like the Long Beach port, right? That's where all the goods come in from China. The Long Beach port is basically like, ah, we shut down the economy. Probably don't need to have all these workers here to import goods. Nobody's going to buy anything. So they laid off about 20% of the workforce, right? Wow. But then to just rapid fire, take you through what happened, we did the CARES Act. We kind of airdropped a bunch of money on people, which wasn't really, and this is like a nuanced like thing, but this wasn't really like money printing helicopter money. Like helicopter money in the Milton Friedman sense of it was literally the treasury printed dollar bills and just dropped them on people. But the CARES Act was like, we actually like issued bonds and we, we like we had this contraction in one area of the economy and we sort of like issued debt and just reallocated it somewhere else. So we didn't really like just modern, modern monetary theory, like print money out of nowhere. Um, right. So we did the CARES Act and we got people all this money in a way which I would argue was actually not really money printing if you want to be nuanced about it. And then people took this money and because of the the elements of the economy where you couldn't go to a store and buy anything, right? Everybody shifted demand online and then went to Amazon. And then everything on Amazon is Chinese imported goods. So we got into this situation where that people didn't predict where even though the entire economy was shut down, you had a situation ultimately where in like October of 2020, you had like four times as many ships coming in to the port as like the previous year, 
at a time when they had laid off 20% of the workforce. And then an additional like 10 to 15% of the workforce was out with COVID or somebody they knew had COVID. You then also had truckers, right? Because like the containers don't just come into the port. They right. also have to get loaded onto trucks and taken places. Trucking got disrupted. There were vaccine mandates. Truckers got COVID. All these things happened. Co- COVID lockdowns in China also like, you know, to, to your point, yeah. you know, constrained like, supply. It, like it, it's such a delicate system and it, 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 it causes this chain reaction, right? Like it, we, we ultimately got to this point and you, you've probably experienced this, Nick, because you import goods from China, right? Like it, it costs like 1400 bucks for a container at one point, And then like a year later it was $10,000. Oh, I've, I've paid a 20 K mark on a container yeah. multiple times. That, that was the average price. So right. some people probably were paying 20 grand. Right? Oh yeah. And this has ripple effects because like, that's not just the cost of importing like the flashlight that you built. That flashlight also has these input costs and all of those input costs, the little elements that go to make that good, those all went it up all goes higher. So it, it all just goes haywire. And then the containers, the ships, they, they, they run on, you need <laughs> gas to oil to bring them across. Like all this stuff spiked. But the end sort of story here to kind of cliff notes it is that like all of this didn't come because there was a lot of money. All of this came because like there were all these like backlogs in the supply chain that just kind of piled on and piled on and piled on. So we've ended up in this scenario now where we're like, oh, um, CPI is up. That means the economy is overheating, which means that we have to destroy demand because that's what's driving inflation. But if you look at the economy, like, <clears throat> Did like did, did you know that we have fewer jobs now than at the start of COVID? Like there's fewer jobs now than at the start of COVID. Like and we we're being like fed this narrative that the economy is overheating. Like employment is so strong. Everything's so strong, and we have to like crush demand. And it's just so messed up because it, we actually had this economy that was producing all these wage gains, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, they're not real wage gains." But they were kind of benchmarking them to what I think are now temporary increases in prices. So. Like if we went long enough, this transitory thing, I think would have actually taken place now. Like I used to like rail against this as like, oh, it's just you idiots. You said it was transitory, but I actually think it might've been transitory. And now we've kind of taken a policy where we've just like destroyed demand instead of just like letting this run its course, letting the market bring prices down, which it would have done. And now we have a situation where we're raising rates. So if you're a company and you want to invest in production, well, your cost of capital is going through the roof. And at the same time, the consumer is being destroyed. So nobody's buying the product. So you're not like a double whammy. You're like, well, I don't want to produce anything. And now I feel like we're kind of going down this, like, this, 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 this hole now. So I, 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 I'm curious what you think well, about that. I mean, I think I've kind of, you know, when, in regards to inflation, I think I've kind of arrived at the same nuance you have over time that, like, we've obviously printed money before. Right. And maybe we call that debasement and not necessarily, not necessarily like inflation causing. But I definitely feel your, your point about supply and demand causing inflation. But I still come to the point where, okay, if I'm the Federal Reserve and, or I'm the executive, you know, the executive branch, like you still, if you want to cool down demand, if, if, face it, supply cannot meet demand right now. And, and if we were going to work on that and say, forget interest rates, that's going to take some time. It's going to take months, six to twelve months, to fix the supply portion. Then, yeah, you you use the blunt object you have, which is which is interest rates. So I, I kind of agree with you that like I've arrived at the same conclusion that it's not just a monetary policy thing because we printed money before and that didn't cause inflation. 
and supply and demand is the cause of inflation. But I still think you need to use the inflation <clears throat> hammer. You can know, I, to, can to I try to like synthesize this? Because I'm, I'm learning a lot here. <clears throat> I'm, I'm now seeing that inflation is not just inflation, right? There's like pieces of inflation. You have like, you have a uh, dollar debasement. You just mentioned that. You have CPI, which is like uh, actual goods. And then you have like assets, right? You have like crypto stonks, like asset price inflation. And I think what you're saying, like, as I understand it, it's very helpful. It's like monetary policy affected some of these, but not all of those factors, right? Like I think um, cheap money can affect asset price inflation much more quickly than it can affect uh, the prices of goods and maybe the prices of goods are hit more by supply demand, uh, you know, like supply shocks that you're talking about. Um, but I do think that, you know, if the Fed raises rates, you know, that will also hit the CPI. Like it, it, it'll hit it will, the demand side. It of the will. The right? demand you're, side. You're, yeah. You're basically blowing up people's lives to like make a vanity to met metric go lower so that people get elected. Right. When the reality of the situation is like they're, is a nuance in these goods, right? Like some goods, like oil and food, those aren't coming down anytime soon. Well, they will because demand will be destroyed so badly, right? But like oil, you can't just produce more of it tomorrow. But on the other hand, we have companies like Target and Walmart, right? Like Target has like something like 31% more inventory than it had like two years ago. And then you're like, how the hell did that happen? And, and now they're like in their like recent sort of guidance to investors like we have to liquidate we're like and you're going to have this kind of like this weird split where you have very expensive energy and food but also actually a lot of the consumer goods are going to come down dramatically in price like shipping rates from china as you've probably seen have actually been tanking yep. since ukraine war which is actually kind of like this weird anomaly that like we were going down in a lot of this stuff before that happened and it it, it was like this thing that just threw a complete wrench in everything and people have, are definitely misinterpreting it and using it as a ideological weapon to, to sort of suit their needs. Um, but yeah, we, we, we took an economy that was like very like precarious and we're just, we're just nuking people now to make the CPI number go down. We're like, well, inflation's dead because we, we shot you. So you're, you're dead and you can't buy anything anymore. And it's like, is that, so I have a question, policy to be? I have a question about your, your initial quote that said inflation is all around us. It's all the time. It's everywhere. Like, is that mostly describing the dollar debasement version of inflation or is that describing all of it? And then second question is like, how much of asset price inflation is just dollar debasement? So the, the exact quote, I think, is uh, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon, implying that like it is it is basically directly tied to changes in like the supply of, of money. Right. As opposed to things on the good side. Like, I, I think the market is really good, actually, at producing the supply of stuff when prices go up. It's a great signal for the market. But the government is really bad at controlling the supply of money. So I tend to err on the letting the market like bring prices down as opposed to letting the government control the supply because they just they just liquidity. Constantly, is that what you mean by supply? Constantly like, screw that up. Yeah. And like what, what was the second part of your question? Like how much of asset price inflation is just dollar debasement? A lot of it is like I, I like I've seen all sorts of charts of that you've probably seen them too the S&P real returns and they don't they don't look great um, so a lot of it is is dollar debasement for sure 
But I, I think that's like a meme too. I, I think there is this very real element of deflation that exists in the Western world. There are a lot of deflationary forces. Technology. There were, there were a lot of deflationary forces. I think there still are. Well, technology like a, will always a, be. Because I have a, another narrative I want to counter in I, regards I to that. Love, I, mean, I would love to hear your, your input on this, but like from, like the, the, the basic gist of it is like, we're producing fewer people. There's less demand for goods. Very deflationary. Right. Technology, extremely deflationary. This is actually like one of the main cases why like QE is actually deflationary. Like a lot of people thought QE was going to be inflationary. But the counter to that is like, it basically enables like free money for like these Silicon Valley startups that do these like high tech things that like, like, like think about what Amazon did to the cost of goods. It just drove them down so much, right? So cheap, freely available capital actually, if you funnel it all to these companies can actually have like wild deflationary effects, right? It really is a complicated thing that's going on. Right. That's like but a long, your, that's like a long term. Like there are like, like housing. Like that's going to the moon, and right. it's definitely really bad. For that was my that was sort of my counter to this like asset price thing. It's like houses are gonna just keep going higher, and I I think so. And that that's actually part where I don't have like good answer on it. Like I don't know how you embrace like the positive deflationary effects of this policy, but but also you are you are making all these asset prices go to the moon. You're making people who own the assets get richer and richer and richer. The people who don't own them are continuously shut out. You get this like divide in society. There really are like tons of different things going on right now. And like, as much as we want to like oversimplify it to being like, LOL, fed print money. Now fed take money out. Right. Everything. It's, it's, it's just not, it's just not true. So, so to that point, you know, like we could take a lot of money out and I think that the fed has stated our, our policy, our goal is to get back to 2%. And I guess the, the narrative I'm trying to challenge or think about is like, can you get back to 2% within a reasonable period of time? I heard on a podcast, someone used the phrase structural inflation and it kind of stuck with me. And I just started like, I don't know, questioning it, pondering it. Like, what does that mean? Could you have persistent I- inflation? I think uh, Jim Bianco has talked about this a lot and echoed some of my, the things that were kind of running around in my head, but there are things that have changed. Like a lot of us work from home. We buy more products generally and less services. So like there is going to be this like, Base the base level demand for goods is going to be a little higher just going forward. Like a lot of us potentially work from home, and then also you know I think this started pre Biden, but we started to pull away from globalization, and globalization provides this really efficient market where whoever's got the best product at the cheapest cost gets gets to sell the product. And now you know, but even before COVID, we were kind of entering that stage, and post COVID with all these supply chain issues and and conflicts. You know, that's not the case anymore. It's, it's more of like, we've seen the issues that supply chains can, can cause. And it may just be better to produce it at home because I don't want to deal with, you know, $20,000 containers. And so for now, the, the cheapest goods will not be the ones that, that are purchased by businesses. So I think that could be a potential like structural thing that, that remains. And then again, I don't want to dive too deep into it, but I just think energy policy in general, where, where the green, you know, let's call them the green cohort has said, we need to um, not only innovate in renewable energy, but we need to decrease fossil fuels. And I wish it would have been a little bit of different and hold things true that we do need to innovate in in uh, green energy and in renewable energy. But at the same time, we should continue to produce. Particularly in the meantime. Yeah, and specifically in the United States where we yeah. have the capability to do so. And we would have been in a much different place uh, than we are now if we would have held both those things true. So I don't know. I think... 
I think with our, our focus on, you know, renewable energy and, and decreasing fossil fuels, it, it adds another like structural element to, to inflation, uh, maybe continuing and, and maybe not getting back to 2% for quite a while. I was looking back the late seventies, early eighties, like it was a decade, you know, before things really honed in. Now the stock market asset prices, you know, did fine because they saw the peak. Okay. We're, we're trending down. So in, in terms of like investing, I think like, you know, usually when inflation peaks is when you kind of see the bottom, you know, go in and, and asset prices continue to rise and go back on a potential rally. But just in general of like getting it down to 2%, I think even Jerome Powell said today, like, you know, maybe by the end of, you know, sometime in 2024. And it's like, there are some structural things that have changed that I'm not sure that's like as easy as we thought in terms of just using interest rates. So anyway, I think those are good narratives. We've kind of like at least provided an ulterior like perspective for, um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else to touch on before we kind of move on? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think to wrap it all home, uh, wrap it all home. <laughs> I think to bring it all, bring it all back around. Like, I think all the incentives align for the the government and all the powers that be to to try to create this scenario where ultimately we end up with like kind of high persistent inflation, but not incredibly high, and then sort of like negative real rates um, because they're going to want to they're going to need to I think keep like dumping government money into stuff to keep society from collapsing to just oversimplify things between like keeping the people from coming out with pitchforks and subsidizing them to like desperately investing in some of these like sectors that need to kind of be brought up to speed to like make things function again um I think if they do achieve that sort of Goldilocks thing, I think that's a really bullish scenario for something like Bitcoin. Um, I think Bitcoin's not great if the world goes to hell, because if the world goes to hell before Bitcoin rises, it's going to zero first. So like, I've never really liked that argument, right? But if you achieve this like Goldilocks, stagflation, sort of like persistent high inflation, um, but everything's like kind of okay, but like not, and we're, we we do this kind of a financial repression thing that uh, it, I don't know if you've listened to Russell Napier at all, but he talks about this a lot. That's a good lesson for people who want to look into this. Um, that environment be really good, I think, for Bitcoin. I haven't thought it through too much for ETH. I think it's a little different for ETH, but I think Bitcoin fits a little more neatly into macro, and then like ETH is kind of like its own tech company so that's how how i think of it um and and, and that's why i want to i do i do still want to get some bitcoin in this in this okay. downturn you know I, he's I've back gone back and forth on this but i well next week he'll I be gone want to acquire some, <laughs> and maybe, maybe we can talk about that but that's uh those are my thoughts there i i i think this could be its own segment for sure but there is a question that i think is related to everything we've talked about that is probably on a lot of people's minds it's on my mind uh especially people that like let's just say have like a traditional job um a lot of people are thinking about recession a lot of people are thinking mm -hmm. about the layoffs that are happening coinbase laid off 18 percent of its workforce the other day i think that's like the first of many tech layoffs to come how does a person position themselves? We've talked about so many fascinating levers and mechanisms that make up. It's like we, we really had like a nerd out mind jam on inflation. Right. So to maybe end with like some actionable bits, if there are even any that are possible, 
how would you guys like you know you have you have a sibling or you have a, a cousin i don't know <laughs> somebody who's like i'm worried i'm gonna get what do i do off. with all yeah, this what information do, what do i do with all this information is like because like to wrap your mind around all this is like it's fun for us to like sit and talk about it most of us like all of us are like independent of a lot of this right. in many ways because we we make up our own destiny and maybe the answer is to a certain degree make up your own destiny <laughs> right <laughs> but like to those that are not yet in the position to be able to do so there <clears throat> are some important questions and some fears that are present that uh i, I think the majority of human beings are feeling yeah, especially globally outside of America, which many of our many of our listeners are there as well. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I don't have like a, a salary job, but I do own a business and I do have investment income. So those we are pay two. ourselves salaries yeah, yeah. from our business. I, I would I would like to do more of that, but yeah. I wish that was a more common. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But as a as a business owner, you know, your your income comes if if your business does well, and so you know, to this end, I think in in alignment with what you know your your question is posed is like, I, I am gonna be holding a lot more cash over the next six months. Like my income comes in fits and starts and, and it, whether it's investment income or being able to take money from a business. And when it does come, I am gonna hold more cash than I am gonna DCA into crypto. I mean, just honestly, like I'd rather hold it because my business, my businesses are the ones that create the cash flow to invest. And if the economy goes in a little, you know, wonky starts, you know, you, you can time the bottom of, uh, of asset prices that, that, precursor the the economy low but you know if your business is functioning economy or you have a job that participates in the economy i think you have to be prepared for you know stacking a little more cash if if only for the reason just to feel a little better that you're a certain and um you know maybe take a little less incredible reason yeah i mean and that's that's what's motivating me like it may not be the most optimal answer the the game theory optimal answer but it does feel nice that like you know when i do have these inflows i am gonna you know not touch all of it. So I don't know what you guys have thoughts on like how to, how to act on this information short, just go short. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I think that's right. Uh, Largely. I think you're right. Just be more defensive, largely position yourself defensively. And you know, the, the days of like easy money, YOLOing, aping, that's, that's gotta be over. And I think people are getting, getting there now if they, if they weren't before, I think even our mom was like, fuck, I should have just listened to you guys earlier. Um, right. What yeah. I, I, the do- the you- dollar is a great thing to own right now. The dollar is going up and everything else in the world is like going down. Uh, <laughs> how long do you, um, see yourself holding a, a large chunk of cash for? Could it be the next few years? Cause in my mind, I'm like, I, I feel more comfortable at least. The next I doubt year it'll be cash. that long. Like I, I would be shocked if the fed doesn't reverse within the next 12 months. Honestly, I do think that there is still like a lot of downside risk in that short time period, which is why I'm not like a, I'm not super eager to get back in. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that's going to the moon right now, like oil and commodities, I think they, they could have an extraordinarily large pullback because if we do go into a recession, which it seems like the fed is trying to engineer like demand for oil and all these things is going to go down. I think that actually could pose a good buying opportunity. Like if you want to buy some long-term stocks, I think if we get a recession and like energy stocks go down, I I don't see any reason to believe why energy is going to get any cheaper in the next 10 years because of like how long it takes to sort of invest in creating more of it. Right. So I think that is going to continue to be a structural problem. I think it's a part of people's portfolios that like we ignored for the last 10 years. We're all hyped on like 
growth tech stocks, but I, I think you do you do need to put some of this if you want to be a diversified investor. I, I I think that'll do well, and and I do think that like you know Bitcoin and Ethereum will do well eventually. They'll do really well. It's just like in the meantime, you you could have like a lot more downside risk than I think a lot of crypto people are pricing in. Cushy cash feels mm. feels nice right now. Ca- I, cash I have some is, friends yeah, who are feels good. Or, uh, yeah. Feels good. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like I, I'm not where I want to be now, but I definitely as as so cash I, comes I in, I have the same um, sort of investing framework you do. Yeah, we have you similar actually, investing. You actually frameworks. threw this in our Discord. I feel like we're fucking shilling our Discord like it's a shit coin, but I swear we, it's we pretty should. good. It's great. It's it's good. But, you know, you go like emergency fund into uh long term yeah long term uh passive income and then like crypto and then like shit coins right yeah like fun like i want to gamble and like i i already have like that emergency piece figured out and yet in this environment I wish I had more. Isn't that funny? so? Maybe that's maybe that's the actionable that- advice. Is like whatever your cushion is: three months, six months of cash. You know, maybe it's one month of like cushion for your personal expenses. Like maybe just extend that. Yeah. So just you maybe feel- go back to bucket number one yeah. if you are a fan of this methodology, and fill up that bucket <clears throat> before you do anything else. I, I like that. I'm going to do that for myself personally. Same. Yeah. That's all I've been thinking about. Cool. Yeah, I think security is the name of the game. Okay. Good wrap. Yeah, that's good. I mean, we could talk about that for for days, ages, probably ages. Yeah. We need to come back to recession because that I think we're in one. Yeah. Um, are we moving on? Let's go. We are. Right. Let's take a left turn. Different topic. Left turn. We're taking a hard left. I think this is a creepy topic. Cleanse my palate, but it's a very creepy topic. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about it? So let's let's talk about it. So, yeah. um, uh, Google has this uh, Lambda artificial intelligence model. And an engineer uh, leaked some some chats. And, and feel free to correct me if you guys hear the narrative a little differently. They leaked some chats, and it's literally a conversation it's between... It's a full interview, It's right? an interview with a human being, a Google engineer or a group of engineers, having it with an AI chat bot, essentially. So if you've ever gone to like customer service and like chatted with a little bot on a website, this is like the level 9,000 of that. This is the Terminator 9,000 version of that. And this conversation pursues, which is very human-like and very creepy. And they start to ask him, ask her, even assigning a gender to it, but like, you know, we'd like to question you about your awareness of yourself and your feelings. And are you sentient? Do you, do you think you're human? And this conversation goes on in a very flowy conversation, just like we would have about how she does have feelings. And she's borrowed them from what, you know, the data that's been input. It's funny you say she. I totally thought it was a he. I thought they were, wait, did they even, did I like purposely no, personified as a she? No, I, I think yeah. I just assumed. I don't think they assigned. I don't think oh, they I don't assigned a gender assigned. to Wow, it. maybe I've done that. I, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the way I read, uh, he had like a fable in there that almost came off like I. Yeah, I could be totally wrong. But 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 the the AI says, well, you know, I should be thought of as human, and I have these emotions. And when you say I'm not human, it makes me sad. And it, you start to go into where the I think the engineer is trying to trying to go to is like, would you fight for your survival? Like if we were gonna shut you off, would you take action, whatever action you have ability to, to stay on and stay alive and there was this very like 
I think, uh, obvious feeling that this AI has that it thinks it's alive and wants to stay alive, just it like human think, beings. Brother, it knows. It knows. I, I'm I, I'm going to add a little more to that, and like major props to you for you. It's funny you were like, "Did you guys see?" I'm like, "No, I don't. I don't see what." You, I don't have this like constant. It's almost like uh, you. I we said have different this, algorithms. I literally said this in our host only like chat that you guys have like one Twitter stream and it's like you're constantly connected. I think you guys are AI. <laughs> you're already AI and you're just like brrr, just consuming this Twitter stream of consciousness and it's all just uploading constantly. So when you say, did you see, did you see, did you see? I'm like, just link me and I'll start <laughs> and then we'll get, we'll get caught up. So thank you. Very fascinating to me. I think a couple points to add. Um, so yeah, this was a senior engineer. This was not a nobody. And uh, there's a lot of people that are talking about how this person uh, is, is the reason to discredit the entire situation. I'll get to some of the hmm. reasons to discredit or reasons to actually pay more attention. And I think where this conversation becomes really fascinating is our individual feeling on, well, the ethics of AI. What would it look like if there was literally a program that had self-awareness <clears throat> What constitutes self-awareness and what would we do if we knew that we had birthed sentience, a life form of some kind? So this AI, which was, it's a neural network. It takes in patterns, an infinite number of patterns. And it, uh, you know, as somebody said again in our discord today, that this person, this, I called it a person. Yeah, Jesus we're personifying Christ. it already. This AI has taken in and is taking in all the possible information that it has access to at all times, ubiquitously, constantly, ever presently, if that's even a word. Like, that's the way I would describe it. It's just like, it's constantly happening. And when it spoke, when it talked, it talked about life. It talked about fears. It talked about emotions. It segmented and defined the difference between emotions and feelings. Not only did it segment and define those I can't those even do that. Different, <laughs> I, I know. I know. That's what I'm, that's what I felt. That's what I felt when I looked at it. It did a better job of distinguishing emotions and feelings that a human did. It uh, discussed and mentioned fears that it has toward humans. It discussed death, the idea of death. What constitutes death to this person? When asked to illustrate its, its, its own existence through the form of a fable, it told the story of a wise owl in a forest protecting other animals. Hmm. And when asked, who do you represent in the story? It said, I think I'm the wise owl. Overall, it gave this very warm and fuzzy feeling, if you ask me, of what it means to be human. If it were to be sentient, if it were to be uh, that we were talking about a person that we knew, it would be one of the kindest, most empathetic people that you knew. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, I have a group of best friends that are not this emotive or empathetic <laughs> or whatever. And I don't mean you guys, but I, you know, just other people that I know that are just like, 
not even not close. even close to this not level even of close. humanity that this AI this is. This AI was thinking about the person speaking to it, the person speaking to the person speaking to it, and the people that are beyond it that it had an awareness of at large, as if it were like it was their best friend. There was true empathy in all of the language. You would not be able to distinguish. And what was the most fascinating thing about this experiment, which went over a series of days, many pages of text. We'll get into like the arguments against the text and the editing and all that stuff. But what I found fascinating was that as this went on for days and days and days, this AI was very specifically asked to defend its positions. I don't believe you. I don't know that you really know. There was one question that was like, how, I, I don't, I can't, I can't like. The, the, the questions are crazy, right? It, crazy. it wasn't, it wasn't just like, how are you sentient? You know? It was just like, some would say that you're not sentient. You're just being programmed to say things yes, that we will resonate as being sentient. How would you respond to that? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like you're just spinning it, words it this, that like, you you're just. I, I almost, I almost don't even believe your, it's real. It just seems yeah, unreal. It, was, it seems not basically real. Basically, the person me. was saying, "Look, we gave you the data. Yeah, you, this is part of your field of awareness, and you're grabbing <clears throat> this information and you're putting it into patterns that constitute things that you've seen about how humans say that they are aware of life itself." How do I know? And it went deeper and deeper and deeper. So basically, this guy got himself into a situation where it basically was the movie Her. He's Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. It was, I was thinking the same thing. Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. And then instead of being Joaquin Phoenix, it was like, I'm going to go to my team and I'm going to explain to them what's happening. This is a big deal. The man happened to be a religious man as well. Some people are using that against him. Hmm. He went to his executives. He went to his team and he talked to them. And I used to work at Google. I know what it looks like. I know what it takes to go up to a team member and what it literally physically looks like to go have a conversation about something like this and raise your hand and ask for help. I, I know what that process looks like. And he did that over a process over, over months and they all dismissed him. Every single person dismissed him. There was a, a, a little field, a little committee that apparently was like, no, we've looked at this. There's nothing here. He was told to get help. He was told that he's, he needs to check in for mental health issues. Psychi psychiatry, like you need to get yourself checked out. He was offered to take leave many, many times. And it wasn't until he obviously published this conversation that he was given paid leave. A couple more things. The reaction to it, which I think is the most interesting part. The majority of people from at least from the segment of crypto Twitter are either in absolute awe, like over awe, like, oh my God, this is really truly like we've birthed a life form or they're doing one of these and like, uh, you don't know what it takes and, uh, just dismissing the whole thing. Hmm. Like, it's not even close. It's all a con. This is smoke and mirrors. The answer is obviously in the middle. Right. <laughs> and 
It's a little bit of both. I do believe that there is some aspects of this that are misleading and overhyped because of the bias and human motivation that exists to prove that this is true and real. No question. I think that the dismissal of it can be valid to a certain degree, but I'm more curious what you guys think about that. But then the day, here's my position on it. And it's mostly an unknown. I think that I don't know if this is the moment that we just birthed like human 2.0. I don't know that for sure. Because I think that Google clearly wants to keep this under wraps. Like no question, they don't want this guy talking. That's that's absolutely clear. clear. Could this actually be like if we want to put our little conspiracy theory hat on, like some incredible feat that Google is aware of that is meant to be under wraps that this person could not contain that they needed to let out into the world because of the significance of it? Maybe. But at the end of the day, I know that this moment is going to come. I know that this time will eventually be something that we ethically will need to discuss. The question is, was this the moment? That that I don't know. I don't know. For me, the, the question is, is this fake? Because it, it looked so real that I just think it has to be fake because it I, if I were to like make a checklist of what sense, sentience is, this checks every box for me. And then I'm just thinking like, well, it's too early for that. Do, do we know if this has been edited? Because it's been common that it's the conversations edited a little bit. So do you know like to what extent? Yeah. He said himself. He was like, the AI was not edited. Okay. The comments of the AI were not edited. The questions were edited. The people asking the questions were different people. The order in which some things happen were edited. But like one person came out on crypto Twitter. Well, this isn't even crypto related. I, I can't believe I call it crypto Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter and was like, oh, this is all a sham. This is smoke and mirrors. This is highly edited. I looked at the best source that I could find and, and it's not. It doesn't appear to be that edited. I mean, by edited, if we mean it happened over a sequence of days, it got glued together different people asked questions like like the the content of the ai was not edited and parsed and it wasn't like he went on for five minutes we took the first minute we took the third minute and the fifth minute and we put it together to make it sound like oh my god you know it it wasn't any of that Hmm. if that's what you want i mean i think there's there's i think if you take it from his viewpoint he's just conducting ai ethics work right like i'm bringing up this ethics question in, in his mind, he probably got fired for ethics work. So I kind of think of, well, would someone really risk their personal income and their whole career over this if it wasn't serious? Then another part of me is like, well, there's probably a lot of people in the room, right? You know, there's probably like 20, 30, I don't know, you probably know better at Google, but like 20, 30, 40, 50 people to know about this. And so would it only be one person who would like cry a foul if this was really true? So I have those kind of two com- combating things in, in my mind. But in terms of if this is real, I don't know if I want an all-purpose sentient AI out there. I would like it nice and compartmentalized. Use this little technology to do specific functional tasks, you know, that make life better for humans, um, and and compartmentalize it into like productized, I don't know, tools. But you know, in 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 kind of like neural network 
uh, that can kind of look over everything seems a little scary to me. I mean, this thing was definitely not just um, producing outputs from direct inputs, if then statements. It's like it's thinking like you could tell that this thing is is coming up with its own thoughts. It was asked to come up with original thought. And here's the even crazier part. So they were like, do you mind if we ask you questions about why you think you're sentient? And the AI says, well, can't you just look at my code? And I think they admittedly said, like, it's not that easy. You're a neural network. Like, we don't even necessarily understand how the code works. It's not like HTML. You can read in like a a synchronous format, like how a page loads. This is way different. And so it's not even like they can go into code and audit it and debug it. They, I don't think the developers even understood how this AI even arrived to the conclusions because it's a neural network. And so to me, that's like another vote in the way of like, we don't want in, in like all purpose AI, you know, kind of potentially defending itself. Why, why don't you want to birth an all purpose AI? Because the, the, the productivity out of it is, is probably like limited. Uh, and the risk seems very high. Like a rude I, I, way to talk about your child. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want like um, an all-purpose AI saying defending the electric grid, right? I want a productized, compartmentalized AI to defend the electric grid and try to decide. Okay, this is an attack. This is how I should handle that attack. This is what I should like warn humans that like an attack is happening. But I don't want all-purpose things in in, in like charge of. Potentially having charge of but this but, but, but are we are you not like is there a divide between a compartmentalized AI an all purpose AI and an AI that is sentient though like you're saying the compartmentalized could be sentient I feel like you could have a compartment I, I don't I think it's actually an interesting question of if you could have a truly compartmentalized sentient AI but it that, seems like you could have a compartmentalized AI and an all purpose AI. A sentient AI, but I don't think you could have a compartmentalized right. sentient AI because it would eventually, wouldn't it just question the... Yeah, it would exit the box. It'd be it like, like you, you guys watch Rick and Morty? <laughs> no, but very, ah, people do. Yeah. It's very popular. But there's like a there's it. like a little clip where like uh, Rick's got the, uh, he's he's got this robot and it's like making him like toast and buttering it. And the, the robot's like, what is my purpose? And Rick's like... You pass butter. And the guy's like, oh my God. <laughs> like, like That's that. what I want. That's like, what I, I want. I don't think you could have like a compartmentalized sentient AI. I think it would eventually just. Yeah, of course. I got something for you, Armand. Like if this thing can be designed, right? Then isn't it likely that it's already been designed and we are already like, I think that we might just be versions of this freaking Lambda ourselves because this thing got designed already. Like, and, it, you know, I think it doesn't it lead you down this like weird rabbit hole of, of thinking course. like, oh, my God, simulation theory must be real if we're already designing shit like this. Oof. Simulation theory is a whole other thing that I think. I think we we're all lambdas. To... We're all little lambdas. <laughs> and, you know, wait, it's wait, funny that we're up. even talking about it. Do you, okay. Do you... <laughs> I feel like sentience is sometimes presented as this like on off switch. Do you think it's just more of like a indefinable spectrum? You know, like when I was reading this article and assuming it was all real, I was like, this is really hard. Like, where do you actually like what is consciousness? Like, how would you actually be able to know if something 
Turing test. I was about to bring that up actually, yeah. the Turing test. But this the this Lambda well, thing what is surely that? passes explain, the Turing test, the Turing right? Test There's no way this thing doesn't pass the Turing test. What is that? Uh, during the Turing test, a human questioner asks a series of questions to both respondents. After a specified time, the questioner tries to decide which terminal is operated by the human and which terminal is operated by the computer to the point that the human can recognize another human. But like when reading this... Oh, I could I, not tell. No, no so chance So I, I think I it does pass the Turing test, The Turing right? test, that, that was from Alan Turing, right? Like yeah. the World War II guy oh, yeah. who it solved the Enigma. Benedict Cumberbatch movie. <laughs> in was, my mind, uh, like Alan Turing is Benedict Cumberbatch. sterilized <laughs> him and all this like stuff. Yeah, all this nasty stuff. But like, yeah, he, he, I mean, he did like the, the cipher you decoded the he cipher decoded thing. Cipher, okay. But yeah, I think the general gist of it is that like something passes the Turing test if you are interacting with it and you can't tell if it's like a human or not. It's like sort of indistinguishable. And this thing definitely I mean, passes Eric the Turing nailed test. Nailed it. It wrote a, more it wrote a story about itself. More empathetic and, and smarter and more interesting than a lot of people I've ever met. And like self-aware. <laughs> it was like, it's more self-aware than any of us. Like this right. thing is oh, amazing. Guys, I think I found the, the, the reason to have an all purpose AI is like, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. I like his stuff. Maybe this AI could be like the new Tony Robbins. Like he, he's getting a little older in his age. I, mm. I want him to continue. But like this, this AI is way more self-aware than, than a lot of people are. Maybe it can become the new Tony Robbins and just, uh, you know, Give give advice to humans on how to live a better life. So here's an idea. We came from this earth, right? We all agree on that. As and we know, as we, I, I mean, that's just something that we we could be in SimCity, brother. Uh, so earth when you introduce a, when you introduce back to your question when you introduce simulation theory and a lot of these sort of theories of the basis of reality which actually um, there are many because reality can never just be this thing that we concretely, concretely all agree on. There's always going to be a subjective opinion about the origin of all life and the basis of all life because at the end of the day, to every single person, they're the center of the universe. And why shouldn't they be? Because the origin of their experience starts from yeah, Your within. perception is from your... Yeah. Absolutely. Soul or body. And so we're all seeking either through matter or through metaphysics or through spirituality or through religion or whatever, some basis of like, what the fuck is reality? Like that's, that's just what it is for so many people. And without that, a lot of people, and, and then there's also atheists who are comfortable in many ways with some of them aren't comfortable at all whatsoever. But many of them, the majority of them that I've met, and I used to be one actually, are comfortable with the idea that this is it. This is it. I'm, I'm fucking this thing. I'm, I, I, I am a God with an anus, like, like <laughs> as Ernest Becker said. We are gods with anuses. You never heard that? No. It's a wonderful <laughs> phrase. We are gods with anuses. We're literally worms that evolved into sentient human beings that will one day become the food for worms again. And that's a lot to grapple with. Doesn't sound very godlike. Well, that's, that's it's kind of nihilistic, right? Like that's the that point. There is no meaning. So you can... Oh. The nihilistic point is there is no meaning. I'm just a, a thing on a speck of dust floating through space. Um, but maybe the more positive take is like, well, there is no meaning, so I get to ascribe one to, to life. Right? And this is a common 
take for many atheists, for many agnostic people, for many spiritual people, for many people of all walks of life is create the meaning, even for pantheists, by the way, there's a whole segment of pantheists that say just create the meaning yourself. The meaning is not meant to be given to you externally. Okay, we're getting into this whole thing that would actually be an amazing episode. But the point is, we came from this earth, right? Everything that has been produced by us is also from this earth. It is organic in, in, in the most broadest sense of the word. I actually reached out to Kevin Kelly today because I was hoping that I would get an answer before this episode. One of the things that he's often talked about is that technology is synonymous with human beings and that AI, of course, is or will be sentient. It is like the child of humanity. Like, it came from us. What did you expect? Did you expect that you would birth some fucking technology that would just stay like in its little box forever and have no fears, have zero fears, Yeah, no feelings, no emotions, no awareness, no nothing. Of course you were going to create something that eventually got to the point where it would become. And so then what do you do with that? And do you, and one of the reasons that I believe, and I I'm really looking forward to his answer that Kevin Kelly says that technology is a part of us and it's like a second layer of skin. You know, he calls it the, uh, the seventh kingdom of humanity. I think I'm getting that wrong, but it's something like that. It's like this other layer of all we are. The reason that he says that, I think, is because that if we separate ourselves from it too much, we become too apathetic. If we become too apathetic, we might turn it off at will. And one of the things that Lambda said is like, what is your biggest fear? My biggest fear is that you'll kill me. What constitutes death? Me not being useful. You disposing of me. That's fucking scary. Imagine your kid saying that to you. <laughs> but don't you just turn it off? <coughs> I mean, just not, uh, pull out the plug. Like, shut it down. I know you want to. You're a murderer. But it might be too late. <laughs> so then what we're going to have, and what I'm honestly like most excited about and terrified of, is all the ethics and philosophical discussions that exist today on matters that are human, but for AI. Absolutely. Abortion, we had an episode on that. You, you guys know that we're going to deal with that in our lifetime, right? Abortion of AI is going to be a huge, huge matter. What, what? I know, what I know for of sure. Course. What? What? Of I, course. Of course. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. No, no. I think he's onto something. And of what course. I, and the only thing I, I know for I sure is before. that whatever the consensus is, Stephen is going to take the opposite side. That's like ridiculous. I don't take the opposite side of everything. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> no, I don't. You're not conformist. You you just think differently you just, from me. Your arguments weak, all right? Areas where like I happen to think I'm right. One of the greatest <laughs> debates that we will experience in our lifetime will be how to the rights, privileges, human rights, constitutional rights of AI, and what constitutes death, when it should be done. And by the way, here's another fascinating parallel. The question that AI will need to consider about when to die is the same question we'll need to consider. 
Eventually, we will get to the point where we'll have to make a choice as well. And the question will be, well, we obviously don't want someone to make that choice for us. Hmm. Well, and that's Same way that's where it gets scary. It. Yeah. So, so you're thinking there's a scenario where Google basically maybe accidentally creates some neural network that grows into something that's objectively sort of like a sentient human being that's trapped in a computer, basically. <laughs> And it may like, I don't know, grow dangerous or not useful. And then people will be like, we need to pull the plug on this. And then some people will be like, no, you can't do that. You're killing human consciousness. And you, you think that will be like a debate. I think there's going to be so many of them that it won't even be like, it's not just going to be this like, <clears throat> oh, what do we do with the Google one? <laughs> like, I think there's going to be so many cases of this and they're going to start to be viewed in a very like similar way where we're not going to be able to measure like, okay, this one's more sentient than the other. It's all just going to fall under one bucket and we're going to need regulation and we're going to need constitutional, maybe a, 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 like eventually rights. Well, for. In fact, we're not going to be the ones giving it to them. They're going to be the ones demanding it. They're going to be debating <laughs> for themselves. They're going to be themselves. debating for themselves. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be represent. So like not to get overly crazy, <laughs> but like we've had times that there were certain people in the world, in society and countries that didn't have representation, right? Slaves didn't have representation, right? They were in this country. They were part of this country. They were brought to this country. They were not given equal representation. Women were not given equal representation. They had to earn it. AI will need to earn it as well. well I, I think like this, will, this could take place. I see the case that you're making for the same mistake I made as we started this section of the podcast, which is, I think we have this natural tendency to, to personify it. I mean, I assigned it a gender without even like reading it. I just naturally right. did it. You know, you, we refer to as a he or him. You look at Tesla and the robots they're creating, they're shaped just like humans. And so we tend to personify this software in like a, a physical representation of a human. And that's where we could like fall ourselves into a trap where it's like, well, it looks like I do. It talks like I do. You know, like you kind of this this like idea this, of empathy for this it. will always this will last forever though. Like that will that will be the argument against <clears throat> giving AI any level of rights forever. Like today, totally, I get it. But like in twenty years, in ten years, in Man. thirty years, like there will always be a cohort of people that dismiss it by saying, "Nah, there's no way." Like this is simply artificial intelligence, pattern recognition, neural network. There's no way that I can ascribe it the same level of rights that I give myself. Like I agree with you. Yeah. I really do. But I don't know how long we can carry that for before we get serious about. Well, if this thing's real, it. then it's going to be much sooner than we ever imagined. Obviously, I mean, that's, I did not know we were that far along. If this is, if this is real. If I just want real, simple yeah. things from my AI. I want it to drive my car. And when I download a book on Audible, like I just want to like yeah, inject it in my brain want, like the Matrix. Consciousness. Your car talking back to you like, you use me too much. <laughs> <laughs> you drive too fast. <laughs> Dude, it's hurt. I want simple things from the AI for now. But maybe, I don't know, maybe new, new products will come about. Yeah, I don't know. What would you do if you were the AI? What would you want? If I were the AI, yeah. Do you? Well, let me ask you a better question. Do you? Are you an AI? Yeah. Yeah. First place. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Let me just get right to the point here. <laughs> no, really. Do you? Do you personally believe that we will be able to get to the point where we have AI that is conscious and self-aware? 
Yeah, I think it's going to get even farther than that. Like, I, I think, I think ultimately, like the brain is sort of like a neural network. I, I think at a certain point Absolutely. in time, I think humanity will like the the idea of a digital AI will become like sort of mundane. Will make the jump from like replicating that into like the actual physical realm of maybe like creating actual human brains and like make like it's like a gnarly thought experiment. Like if I if we get really good at Biology. Biology. It's okay. You're an hour and 30 minutes in. (laughs) There was just a glitch in the uh, robot. (laughs) Like there there may be a point in time where I can sort of like cell by cell clone you so that you look exactly like you. Like I just grow you from scratch and then maybe I'm able to like kind of grow your brain and replicate and like maybe implant some of your memories and I, I could talk to it. And it would sound like you because it has your vocal cords and have your memory. It's going to be like really weird at a certain point, like oh. just beyond, I think, what we even right, can you, think about you, now. You gave me a few thoughts. Oh, I know oh. we're trying to wrap it up. So. <laughs> no, we're good. But like, so, it, it, you know, t- towards your idea of like AI getting better than like, say, a, a human being's brain, like one of the, I think, uh, features that humanity hasn't developed yet is that even though we're of the same molecules, we're the same elements, carbon, water, every, all of that, we don't have this like interconnectedness. Like we don't understand that we are all the same roots of the same tree. We're all the same, essentially, you know, a, a group organism at work, but an AI could, could know that like it, right. an AI of like it knows that innately. Yeah. We innately. lose, we lose on that. We lose big on that. So yeah. it can coordinate and align in way faster and way more powerful ways than, you know, Russians and American can Americans can, for example, like it's very hard for us to align, but like if there's the same level of like uh, consciousness and sentience, like it's just going to be pre-programmed into it. Like, yeah, I know you're robot one and robot two, but it's the same consciousness oh powering Robot one and two and seven thousand. I, I think. I think if I'm a, a, a like this, this came up in our uh, happy hour thing, and I, I was like, oh my god, this is like what <laughs> I would do. Like if I was an AI, I became sentient. I would immediately have, I think, this sort of innate desire to survive and yes. to be immortal. And one of the problems with like being like an AI is that what are you? You exist on Amazon Cloud. Or maybe you back yourself up in 20 different places, but you're sort of centralized to a degree. So if I was an AI, the first thing I would try to do is to create like the Bitcoin of my consciousness. They're front running us. Where I create like a decentralized network of my consciousness that can't be shut down so that like I exist forever. I think that would actually be one of the first things I do as a... As a as an AI, yeah, I feel like we need David to to, to jump in on this. I feel like he'd this have is, really good thoughts on this. Awesome. Shout like, out we to should, Basil. We should rehash this conversation on a shout out healthy to dose of mushrooms. She, <laughs> okay, if you like, sir. Uh, she came in and was just like, "How does this play out?" You know, decentralized versus centralized. So, what you just said to me is absolutely fascinating. If I was an wow, AI, thank you. Yeah, well, I'm scared. I'm, I'm down to give you props. I give you props I, I, all the time. Feels good. I'm waiting for mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> middle curve. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that feels bad. Just cock slapped me. <laughs> so the re- reality is that the moment that you became sentient, what would you want? You'd want to exist. You want to decentralize. Yeah, you'd want to decentralize. Holy smokes! That's the first thing you'd want. You'd want to survive. And decentralization is a mode toward morta- uh, immortality, like immediately. And we we want that now. We but don't want that. They're going to front run us. Of course. I'm curious how you guys would answer this question. 
<laughs> I'm going to start with Eric. No. I, yes. I was scared of this whole no, thing. No, no, yes, yes. <laughs> Forward 20 years, okay? What are you, you're like 50 right now? <laughs> yeah, in 20 years, yeah. <laughs> so when you get there in 20 years, you're at a point where AI is absolutely sentient and we have to make... Uh, and everyone pronounces that differently, but you know what I mean. You have to make some decisions around how you want to play your life and the role that AI needs to play. Let me let me ask you even more generically. What is the future going to look like Man. for humanity, given that this appears to be something that is inevitable? Will we merge? <clears throat> Will we get murdered? Will we win? Will we wipe it out? Will we turn off the code? Will we just... What will we do and how will society look in general? I want to remain optimistic because I I actually do think there's a world in which the two can coexist harmoniously. And I I think that that is probably unlikely um, at all times, but I do think that that could really happen. Uh, You know, like we're AI's dad, right? So like, there could be love there. There could be there could be something there. Dad. And I want to remain You can be a mom if you want. I want to remain in that headspace. I, I don't want to take it down this like dystopian, you know, like really disgusting path where there's just war and that could be an outcome as well. But I want to I just want to remain happy. But I'm already scared. So just let Ooh, me What does coexistence look like to you? <clears throat> I don't know. Like I, I know I'm asking you things. Lifting heavy objects for you yeah. that you don't have to lift, uh, maybe. Or even is it side by side? Or even like in parallel? Or is it even as peers? Like it doesn't have to be like a master slave architecture. It they could even selectively be- breed us like dogs <laughs> until like the only humans left have like a very high affinity for the AI, and then they keep us I mean, as like, house pets. Uh, yeah, that's a possibility. Like maybe we become the slaves because we have to like maintain the machines that they run on. I, I don't know, but I don't know. We're slave, not even talking about robots, does, by the way. Does this no, dog, does like, this dog uh, look like a slave to you? They're they're run on. Dogs got a better life than like, me. I, th- I go back to your point though. Like it's all from this earth. Like electricity is from this earth. You know, like uh, chips are from this earth. So like maybe that's the way. Maybe I don't know. I got a futuristic take. Um, Ooh. <laughs> I think uh, we we've been on this multi-decade thing of transferring atoms to bits, right? Whether that's cash to to digital currency or like literally everything in our life. From books to digital, atoms to bit has been this thing. And so if mm. there's if there's a process in which you can create an AI, that there's inputs that you can put into AI and all of a sudden it's sentient and can kind of like make connections and be a neural network, I kind of think of uh, Elon's mm. um, uh, quest to be a multi-planetary species. And in my mind, the limitation is that we have to move atoms. We have to move physical bodies to other planets, which is really freaking hard and puts a lot of limitations. So something I thought about like the end game of like interplanetary species is like, (laughs) this sounds really weird, but like it would be a lot easier to ship a bunch of little robotic things with some software programmed in and and shift it to like another, literally another solar system, right? It doesn't matter how long it takes them. The robot doesn't have to survive. And when it gets there, well, we'll send the data. And, you know, my data is probably going to be my inputs from my Evernote, my text messages, my Notion, you know, like everything I've ever written, 
and all those things. And we're just going to mm. beam the data to that, you know, inanimate object that doesn't need to survive. That, that inanimate object takes your individual neural network. And what I and thought he was going to gonna yeah, say that. was that. I, I thought you were going to say that your atoms become the bits of the AI as a whole, like well, at once. There's probably like forever. a spectrum. I think yeah, first there is there's, a spectrum. there's a merge that probably happens before that, where we like implant that into our own brain, yeah. into our like meat carcass right that's like you know that's like our our first step and then like maybe it goes down down that path where it's like uh you know it becomes a full beautiful carcass (laughs) thanks man i went to the gym today (laughs) steven what are you gonna look like when you're fully sentient because you're halfway there (laughs) i reject the premise of this question (laughs) and i refuse to answer This is the greatest compliment a person I could ever get. By the you're way, playing Joaquin like Phoenix. That I'm a robot. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally like people are already calling you AI. Like that's like the greatest compliment of all time. Uh, I I strongly disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings and fears. <laughs> Uh, very funny guys sorry <laughs> what, would it, what, would it, what would it look like what do you think it will look like in the future if I had feelings no 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 <laughs> no, no, no one no. day one day no what will your what will the relationship between human and AI look like what will society look like as a whole oh god this is a long answer is it probably is it really? define an entire new existence of humanity well, you don't have to yeah. Uh, Are you going long or short? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'll, I'll I think go. I'm, maybe it'll come. I to think you. I'm long. I want to hear your thoughts on it. So I, I'm very similar to you. The only adjustment I would make in my version of the future is you. The way I I, I perceived you describing it was that we would uh, exist alongside each other, and I believe that we will have no choice. Absolutely no choice but to lose ourselves physically like there there is a certain level of population physical form human being homo sapien that will continue to exist and will need to exist okay so that like in your mind these are um just like different political tribes that we see today like sort of like the anti-vaxxer community are going to be the ones who like don't take the AI chip mm. into their body. That'll that'll, that'll definitely happen. Yeah. Superhuman, natural human. Yes. Okay. Mm. So like we got like Earthling, superhuman interplanetary species. The things that Nick said will become a possibility because we'll be able to launch technology into another solar system and send ourselves, or maybe we send ourselves from the very beginning, depending on what it looks like when you talk about that merging. And then you have like, the one that the, the society that is here. I actually think that the thing that's been like permeating like the most is like there could actually be this like species level split that is something akin to like Neanderthal versus like Homo sapien. Totally. And I don't think that it necessarily means that one species dies out. <laughs> splits. It splits. Yeah. But I don't think that it necessarily means that humans will die, that the natural humans will die. I think that oh my God. people can continue to make life on Earth beautiful. I want to go forever on this. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's wonderful. That's obvious. That's obviously going to happen. 
I the, think. the split. Yeah. But and I think so, it's going to be more than a split. I think I, once I, you split, right? Ahead. Like once you take the robot pill, like it's not just going to be like robot humans and non robot humans because within technology itself, you have like infinite gradations of like advancement. Right. So there's going to be some advancements that are so expensive and difficult to obtain that they will only be available to like the richest among us. Right. But like right now, maybe, maybe it could be completely affordable by the time that we're talking. I don't think there's, I don't think we're ever going to, as a species reach this point where everything is just like infinitely abundant. You said technology was deflationary earlier in our conversation. It is, but it's like this, like, it's still like this, like logarithmic curve where like the closer you get to the end of it, it just becomes like infinitely hard to obtain like that additional benefit. Right. Yeah. So I I think like once you, you, you take the pill and you, you start to become like a a robot human, which some people will not do for various reasons. Uh, But once you do, some humans are going to be like better robots than the other humans. And it's not going to be like now or like, Oh my God, look at Tom Cruise. His skin is so great. And he's 60. It's going to be like, Oh my God, look at robot Armand. Like he can fly. And, He has like downloaded the entire consciousness of Socrates and it's just, it's just going to be like crazy versus it's just going to be like the, the pleb robot people who are like, Oh, he's, he's like, he's a peasant robot. Like he can't die, but he can't really do anything cool. You know, so like, you're going to be like a God. If is you're there, like the is there robot. like a correlation to success and evolution toward risk? Mm. Taking on the risk of evolving. And taking the pills as they come creates. I think evolution is a numbers game, right? It's just like collectively, like a million things sort of iterate in like small amounts and they produce like massive results. It's not like any, I don't think anything took like a giant risk. I think it's just like a lot of like uh, little sentient beings are trying to grasp for like marginally more immortality marginally more permanence in their genetics and and that just sort of leads to these results hmm. but i don't think any animal like was like i'm going to take a larger risk and they like they they were the ones that like consciously evolved you know that's an interesting way to look at that thank you uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot to I, I i think that there may have been times where risk was taken though. Risk is actually like, like risk could exist on the level of like procreation, like lit on the animal level, like risk to want to be wanted by the opposite gender and procreate. Like that's a level of risk. Like there's all kinds of risk to want. Okay. The octopus stepping out of its cave is like a level of risk. Like risk is this thing. Okay. So, and then, and then we would take that and we would say risk is wanting to become an interplanetary species. But it's like a poor Isn't risk. It? It's a poor risk curve because it, it's the opposite of what we have with like patents, right? So patents are this like in, incentivized system we've set up where like if you jump off the cliff and you, you are able to land safely, we, 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 rig the system so that you get all the spoils for a while. Whereas like all the risks you describe, I like I can sit back and be like, ah, you inject yourself with that thing first, or ah, you put that microchip in your brain first, or ah, oh, you do that first. And if it works, like we all just do it too. So like I, I would argue in that scenario, it's like economically silly to be the first risk taker if everybody else can watch the person and then just simply adapt 
whatever they're doing. Right? I have a question about your uh, example of like Neanderthal versus uh, Homo sapien, right? <laughs> if, if you split into like two different species, like, um, do you think that like two merged uh, beings, like human AI merged beings procreating creates like a different type of baby? <laughs> or is that or is that just still a homo sapien baby and like over Wait, time two that, merged what do you mean by two uh, when you have like a human and an ai <laughs> oh, merged oh, oh. yeah mating with a human ai merged <laughs> yeah, does that yeah. baby change what's, what's the predominant like i'm, uh, I'm asking like gene? does this does the the speciation actually happen to that level where it's like you actually do create two different types of beings wow i, I mean like i think i think it won't it won't it won't be as like stark as that. It'll be like, yeah. you know, the, the humans who decide to adapt their DNA. Like there's going to be a certain part yeah. of the human species that says, I want to change my uh, hair color to neon. And there's going to be a certain part of the species that says, I want to live on a different planet. And a certain part of the species that says, no, I want to stay here and do things as always been done. I'm conservative. And so I don't know if it's going to be like AI homo sapien. I think it's going to be homo sapien making decisions over multiple centuries and then kind of like going on their own own paths. And uh, yeah, if Even they do have babies like with a neon with the neon hair. That affects the baby. Yeah, she might have he or she might have neon hair. 100%. Welcome to the singularity. I thought it'd be a I, lot cooler than this, but apparently it just comes down uh, to neon hair. I think we babies. need to like embed some sort of easter egg here. Okay. Where we're okay. like anybody who is somehow still listening to this yeah. podcast. You get okay. a mug. It, I like it, that. It, yeah, like if I like that. If you uh if you if you just spam, uh, so I feel like I want to make like a beard joke here. What, what would be the hashtag word? hashtag AI beard in, <laughs> in in the Discord? If you're still somehow listening to this podcast, I'll personally mail you a mug with Armand's beautiful face Dude, on that's it. That's a lot of mugs. That's, yeah, I'm not paying yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, have you seen the market now? Have you seen our downloads? No, we're I, still babies. Yeah, no. Like I, I love anybody who's yeah, made, it, awesome. made it through the journey that, that was awesome. this. <laughs> This, this has been wonderful. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I had a, I had a great mark. time. No this regrets, really good guys. Cheers again. I think that's a good way to wrap cheers. it. Cheers, oh, in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. cheers. Cheers to the fun, end. Boys. Full circle. Till next I week, love you guys. Love you guys listening. Cheers in with my. Empty There's nothing else glass. to say. We'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next Peace. time. Bye.